Welcome, everybody, to the Real Deal Podcast. I'm Matty Marshall. This podcast is brought to you by Planet Eclipse, makers of many fine paintball guns and paintball equipment. Uh, they're a huge supporter of the game, huge supporter of what we do here at PBA. So help us help the sport by helping our sponsors. Uh, and thank you for anyone listening and uh, helping us out on the pay-per-view side of things for the webcast. Um, you know, again, we're doing everything we can here at PBA. The whole point that this project exists is to bring you the best, the brightest, the most fascinating, the most entertaining uh, paintball that we possibly can get together based on our support. So uh, you're definitely helping carry the flag forward for paintball. And on this episode of Real Deal Podcast, I'm excited. Speaking of Planet Eclipse, uh, it's Carl Markowski. And, uh, you know, Carl... Carl has a fascinating paintball story. Um, you've probably heard me talk about, you know, paintball's fastest man this, paintball's fastest man that. Uh, so we'll get into all that. And Carl's also got a, uh, I believe, a signature series gun coming this year from Planet. And also, can't wait to see this, uh, is Planet has the next episode, next season, season three of the roster, and it will be starring Chicago Aftershock. And it will be a much different story than San Antonio X-Factor, though X-Factor is uh, well-funded. Alex Martinez is one of the best owners in the business, um, but they're not as, as fun, well-funded as some of the bigger teams. But, Car- but Carl and his boys on Shock are straight blue-collar ballers, man. These are dudes that are just, they love the game, they're really good at it, and they're trying to keep that historic legendary Aftershock name alive. And after what we watched them do at the first event in Dallas a couple weeks ago, uh, they're doing a good job of it. They didn't, didn't do as well as they wanted to do, but considering the circumstances of not being able to play one day of outdoor paintball because of the brutal, brutal winter, as anyone listening from the uh, Northeast or the Midwest <laughs> totally relate to. But uh, so Carl, how you doing, bud? I'm doing good. I kind of thought I was listening to the podcast at first. I was listening <laughs> to you talk. I forgot I was on you. Hey, we got to set the scene, baby. You know what I'm saying? We got to, you know, give up. And it is set. It's, the scene is set. So, Carl, you're here with us. I'm stoked. Uh, you know, I've been kind of really looking forward to, to doing a podcast with you um, just because, you know, one, uh, other than the fact that we're buddies and we spent a lot of time playing on, on, uh, on paintball teams together when we were with Excessive, and I saw you personally rise through the ranks um we won some tournaments but also you have a really interesting story and you're back and I'm really happy that you are back so I I can't wait to kind of dig into your mind and see you know where your head's at now what you think about um paintball why you came back uh the the team you're playing with currently Chicago Aftershock and their story currently which I think is is really interesting I can't wait to see how it plays out this year um, so let's kind of, let's just, cause I think this is fresh on everyone's mind. Let's start with how everything went down in Dallas. How did you feel the team played in Dallas? Uh, I feel like the, the whole attitude and everything going into Dallas was, uh, we were, we were excited to play outside. I mean, that was, that was a big thing just because we've been playing in indoors and, you know, just the slime and the grime and everything of playing inside was, it, it was tough, but, uh, just to, just to be able to play outside, we were excited to do that and play against the top level teams. Um, I mean, we were, we were just stoked to play. And, uh, I think what we did when we got there just kind of showed our preparation and, and, uh, our desire to, to want to play on top. So 
let, let's talk about that preparation because a lot of people don't understand. Well, first, yeah, everyone, everyone does understand how important practice is to any activity. Um, but particularly with, you know, with paintball, it, it, there's a big difference between playing indoors and playing outdoors. Like, yeah, you can work on your snapshot, um, but a lot of indoor, I mean, do you guys have like a, a full size indoor to play at? Or is it one of those like baby size indoors where you can't even really get like a, a real legit actual race two game going on? Uh, well, the one that has no poles is like 10 foot shorter on each side. And then the one that is like almost full size has a billion poles all over the place. So you, you don't really have uh, the, you know, the best of both worlds. You kind of got to pick and choose of uh, which field you're going to play on. But really, there's no full size fields anywhere around here. So now... Uh and I watched that practice that you guys played, and you guys played against Infamous on Thursday, right before the event started on Friday, and pretty much got your guys' asses beat um, that whole practice. What was going on then? I mean, uh, you know, it was your first day playing outdoors at, since World Cup as a team, and, uh, and, and, you know, Infamous put a pretty solid beating on you guys that day in practice. Um, what, what were you guys kind of talking about as that was going on? To be honest, I wasn't there. Oh, you weren't <laughs> at that one? <laughs> no, no. I, I don't usually fly into the practices until, or the, the events until like um, Thursday at like 7 or 8 after work at 5 o'clock. I don't even get to walk the fields until Friday morning. So uh, any of these practices that we usually try and get on the Thursdays of the event uh, are usually the guys that uh, that have a don't have a, a five, 9 to 5 job and can, and can be there. So... But I yeah I did hear that we did get our shit pushed in, yeah. um, but you know what are you gonna do? You just you know, you got to pick up and uh, luckily that was practice and not the event. So how was I mean I know you guys weren't able to get much playing time in as a squad, but what was the off season like for Shock mentally? I mean coming off of last season, what was the talks going on as far as you know? I know you guys had a couple players that weren't able to commit to this year and and some talented guys too. Uh, so kind of how was the mindset of the team in the offseason heading into this year? Really just get comfortable and settled in with the guys that we have on the team uh, because, you know, we did have the the tryouts and everything like that, and we ended up picking up uh, Clodium. But it, it was really just get comfortable with the guys, you know, and uh, play as much as we can, which really wasn't much because of how bad the winter was. But uh it's when the time comes to play the events, um, at least the first event, it's just get there and get down to business because we, you know, we can't really play paintball too much out here. And it was our, our attitudes and everything. We're really, really excited just to, to be able to play. Yeah. Well that, that's, I mean, it's tough, man. I mean, with shock, you know, the story there is a lot of divisional guys, a couple guys that had a little, had had, you know, decent amount of reps on pro teams before, but, you know, Mikey came back in to coach the team. Um, Shock had already rebuilt with a lot of the guys that are playing on heat right now. And, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. And then, true. and then they got decimated when, you know, when heat formed and, and took those guys from shock. 
So they shock had to go back to the drawing board again. And this happens, you know, teams go through phases. This is just part of franchises that have been around for as long as Aftershock has been around for. Yeah. Uh, and it's just, it's kind of just what you have to deal with. Uh, but Mikey came back, picked up some new guys. Uh, and it was, you know, it, it was just cool to see you guys head into this event and play some really tough teams. And, uh, and though you, you didn't look, so if we just looked at your record, uh, you know, you guys were uh, one and three heading in, uh, heading into your relegation game that you had to play against Texas Storm Sunday morning to maintain your champions division spot. Um, but those games were pretty intense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's the same thing. If you look at the record and then, but you go back and you look at the games, it's two, two different things. So, um, I think we played to our potential. Um, but it was just so close, man, because we, we showed our strengths and, but yet we showed our weaknesses too. And, and we, we played off of both and Todd and, uh, Vicious did a really good job of, uh, shutting us down completely on that, on that Saturday game. And I thought we had a a fought hard game um <clears throat> excuse me against uh against Ironman and uh, unfortunately we went to the the relegation and uh you know just pretty much showed that we we deserve to stay up into the champions so i mean i don't know i'm i'm stoked about the season and 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 what's coming up and what's in store for us and uh you know i'm i'm just glad to be playing again to be honest yeah, I mean, you know, you guys did put a pretty solid beating on Texas Storm to send them back down to the Challengers division uh, Sunday morning and, and kind of just asserted your spot like, okay, look, we're much better than this team we're playing right now. And uh, I don't know if you guys watched the prelims, but we also had some awesome games against some great teams. I mean, in the prelims, you guys played right out the gate. You played Dynasty first, um, and that was a really close game. You guys ended up losing that game 7-5. to five. But then you guys, in your second game of the day, you had to play Houston Heat, and you beat them up seven to three. Uh, how were those games for you? <laughs> Look, I love having games like that, especially like right off the bat in the morning games. Right away, uh, get down to business. Just because it's you know, for me, I like playing against all those top teams, teams that have been winning, teams that uh, everybody likes. Uh, I love playing those teams because I love competing just at that level and being able to shut a team down like that. But you know, just like Dynasty proved. Um, you know, the game's not over till the game's over. And, um, you know, they unfortunately got the best of us on that one. But then the Heat game, we just, we came back and, uh, and, uh, showed how we can play. And, uh, I think really too, because a lot of the guys, or at least three of the guys anyway, um, came from Impact and are playing for Houston Heat. And I kind of took it as our World, World Cup game against Impact, where we kind of got our, our, our shit pushed in. So it was kind of a redemption game for me the Houston heat one anyway. So that's how I played it. Yeah. And, and, and is there a rivalry between you and heat knowing that, um, that some of those guys were a big part of the aftershock team that got all the way and rebuilt the team and got all the way to, to, you know, playing in a world cup, taking a second place for the aftershock, you know, franchise. Uh, and then moving on to go and take the offer to start Houston heat. Is there a rivalry there? I, there's not one that I know of. Uh, I, I think with kind of the years that have gone by and everything, and at least me personally, I I don't think there's a, a rivalry at all. I take, I think every team we play against is our rival. So, <laughs> well, that's a good way to look at it um, because you know there there is so many. I mean, not as entertaining as I would hope, but uh, but you know, <laughs> but but at the same time, I mean, you play so many different you know. 
just get so many different grind sessions against these different teams throughout the years uh, and get to know everybody pretty well. But, uh, but on the field, you guys did a really good job against Heat in that, that 7-3 to three game. Uh, and then heading into Saturday, so you guys went one and one that first day and had a pretty good point spread because of that 7-3 win. And the we were pretty stoked on uh, the end of Friday, that's for sure. I mean, we, I think a lot of people didn't expect uh, the outcomes of those games. No, especially with, you know, because Heat double day, you know, with Heat, they lost all those players in the offseason. Uh, they lost the Russians, and, and that was what a lot of critics felt that was the core of their team. And, you know, I mean, you know, the guys, the, the numbers that those three Russians put up on Heat in the two years that they were on the team was pretty outstanding. But then they went to the well and got, <laughs> they got you know, some solid guys. They got Keith DeVitt, young up-and-coming guy. They got Tim Montressor, Ryan Moorhead, and Greg Sewers from Edmonton Impact. And they got Thomas Taylor from Excessive. So five new guys. And that's the thing with, with Heat is that, as, as, you, as you know, you've been around the block a lot and played for Excessive, played for Infamous, now for Shock. <clears throat> but, you know, it just takes some time. And I, and I don't think that those guys... Uh, I mean, they definitely prepared as much as they could have, but it, they didn't get it together as fast as they wanted it to, and and you guys were able to beat them up. Um, and then you guys go on Saturday and play Vicious, the team that ends up going to play in the finals against Infamous. They beat you guys up pretty bad, 7-1. to one. Um, Do you remember that game at all? How did that game go down for you? No, I completely forgot that game. I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I. they really – they – did what a paintball, a professional paintball team is supposed to do. And they scouted us out and did their homework. And uh, we just weren't able to uh, to counter what they were doing. And uh, it, it proved in the score. Well, they, that's for sure. And in that game, they did a really good job of shutting you down because um, – some other guys, some te- some guys on your team, uh, Brian McKenna, AJ Lawhead, they played more consistent than you did when you look at the stats. But one of the biggest things, and one of the one of the reasons I really believe that you're a huge asset to pretty much any team, if you then you've been this way the entire time, your entire career. That's this is why we picked you up on excessive in the first place. Was you're a weapon, man, and and it's really tough to play against you because you know you can literally head check you. And okay, Carl's in the back corner, and then go back to your lane, and then look back about a second later, and now you're right on top of the guy, you know, making a, a really quick move. Um, but it, but Vish, and I definitely want to talk to you about that mindset that you have when you play the game and how you use utilize your speed as a weapon. Um, yeah, for sure. But but it seemed like because on Friday you were one of the only guys that was running and shooting all the way to the snake. You know, some guys were pulling up, some guys would delay, some guys would just go to the snake, but you were one of the only guys that was, you know, running and gunning to the snake off the break. Uh, but I think that they did a good job of scouting you guys because in that vicious game, they did a really good job of, of isolating you particularly to shoot you out. Yeah, I noticed that too. <laughs> <laughs> what's going uh, What's going on in your head when that's happening? Because to be honest, that was one of your flaws as a player when you were younger. You had this uh, in, amazing natural ability to play the game. You were this huge weapon out there, and everybody knew it except for you. It seemed like because you get shot up, you know, going to your spot and then come back and be like, I just keep. I've got shot twice trying to get to that spot, and it seemed like you would lose the confidence that you had had at the start of the game. How have you worked on that? Because you're not that guy anymore, it seems like. You don't really seem to give a shit anymore. You're just, you're like, oh, okay, I just got shot that game. I'm not, I'm going to go out and just do the same thing again and, and I'm going to make a pay this time. Yeah, I think when I was younger and, and, you know, on excessive and everything, it was more or less, I'm this outside kid who is on this team of, you know, superstars in paintball. And, you know, I took it as, man, I, I'm given this opportunity where I need to perform 
at the top level every point, every game. And if I'm not doing that, I'm not doing my job. You know, and that, but that's kind of how it was with, you know, other sports too. And, you know, I, I wanted to be, play at the top level when I was playing, you know, baseball, football, when I was skating, when, um, you know, anything I did, I, I wanted to compete at the top level and be the best that I could be, which is, you know, a good attitude. But Absolutely. Um, in, in this case, uh, when I was with you guys, it was, if I'm not doing, if I'm, if I'm not shooting everybody, I'm not doing my job. Or if I'm getting shot off the break, then, then, you know, I might not have a spot next year or something like that. But it's, you know, I was 18 at the time or 17 or 18. So, but um, how I kind of got out of that was I grew up. I mean, I, I kind of, you know, stepped out of the game a little bit there towards, uh, you know, nothing against the infamous guys and Travis and any of them. But uh, I, I just don't think my heart and my head were in it anymore. And I wasn't having fun. And um, I kind of took a step back and, you know, kind of grew up those three or four years that I left. And when I came back, it just, you know, life goes on, points go on, games go on, and you can't dwell on the last point or the last game. You just have to uh, take another step forward to uh, to your goal. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. And I definitely I really want to get into your history um, and and your mindset now as opposed to when you were younger and talk about how you came up because it is a really good story. And I think there's a lot of lessons to be learned for a lot of guys out there that are, you know, kind of coming up through the ranks. Uh, but at the same time, I, I kind of want to just pick your brain a little bit more about this first event uh, because, you know, I mean, you guys put up some good scores against some good teams. And, uh, I mean, you guys ended up losing to the Ironman um, in your last game. You know, we just talked about that vicious game. Uh, the Ironman barely beat you guys 7-6. to six, And then you went in Sunday morning having to play in a relegation game. And, uh, and God, how, 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 how bad do those relegation games suck to play? I'm already tired of playing them. And <laughs> both times I've been in the Champions Division, I've had to play them. But, uh, but we're still here. So, um, you know, I, I like the format, you know, for the most part, because I really don't have any say in it, so I might as well like it. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, you know, um, I, they suck. The relegation games suck. And I really... Really look forward to the next event because I don't plan on playing one. <laughs> That's for sure. Uh, and um, and then before we get into your history, talk to me a little bit about Chalk because you know a lot of people out there may not know some of the names that are on that team right now and who your core guys are. But I saw a lot of progression. I know I know you guys weren't able to get as much practice time as you wanted to in the off season and before this event. But that being said, there's been a couple guys that have been on that team for a while, Lawhead, McKenna, Wozni, now yourself for a little bit. And I'm just starting to see a more mature paintball team because, you know, shock for the past two years has been one of the most entertaining teams to watch because they're just balls to the wall, hyper aggressive, no fear whatsoever, constantly on the attack and getting into really good spots to make it, to make it an entertaining, you know, a little entertaining viewing pleasure for us ever watching the games. But yeah. once you guys would get to those 50 yard lines, uh, man, tons of mental mistakes and just not a lot of composure, not able to maintain leads, just lots of, of really, you know, glaring mental errors, but I saw a lot less of that at this event, though you guys didn't have the record you wanted to have, but you're still in the champions division and, and you're getting better. So, you know, let's educate some of the people at home about, you know, who they should be watching or when they're, when they are actually, you know, checking out an aftershock game. 
Well, definitely watch every every single person on the team because they're all you know they're all coming up the ranks. You might not know their names yet, but uh, but you definitely will. Um, one that comes off a of hand is uh, is Kirk Wozniak. I've been uh, been trying to work with him and, and kind of get him and you know kind of drive him in the, in the right direction. And uh, I think he played great. You know, both days he might have had a couple penalties here and there, uh, which you know who doesn't, but. Uh, but his playing ability, I feel, from last year into this year, even even with this first event, has gotten so much better. Um, his timing has gotten a lot better. Um, uh, Cliff Ginter has amazing laning skills, along with uh, Rob Velez. Uh, Rob's been playing really good. Um, Nick Matthews, uh, he's you can always count on that guy. Same with Tholey. I mean, Tholey's... Always a power on the D side. Brian McKenna has been playing great. Um, Lawhead sucks. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, AJ's great, man. Um, you know he's a he's not the loudest leader that you would know, but he's quick and straight to the point. You know, if, if you're not doing your job, or if you are doing your job, he'll let you know. Um, and that's what I like about him. And I think that's why I get along with the guys so well because they're just. They're, you know, maybe a little bit younger than I am, but they're all, we're all around the same age and we all really want to play paintball really bad. So what, um, so what do these guys do for a living? You know, I mean, some of, some of these pro paintball players that, that we talk about often, some of them, you know, pretty much play the game for a living at the top level. Uh, you know, the Constantine Fedorovs of the world, the Ryan Greenspans, but you guys, you know, you guys are grind nine to fives and do, you know, stuff to, to make ends meet in between tournaments. And, and I think that that's why I think you guys are going to pick up a lot of fans because, you know, you guys really are just like a divisional team. You're just really good, you know? Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and I, and I think that a lot of guys out there that, that, are, that, that love paintball and really enjoy the fun and the trials that, that entails a paintball life uh, really, if I, I mean, I, I'm a fan of your team anyway, just because, well, you know, you and I go way back. I'm a huge Karl Markowski fan. I'm a shock right. fan from back in the day because, you know, when I came up, you know, we were taught to, to uh, you know, obviously we loved the Ironmen because that was the California team. And then we respected Chicago Aftershock because, you know, they were these brutal Midwest dudes like lumberjacks with no necks. And, uh, <laughs> and then and we hated the All-Americans. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because they were the really good team from the East Coast and had a way different style. So, um, but... But I just I, I could see you guys getting a lot of fans this year because it's just such a it's a team that I, I want to see do well. I think a lot of people out there want to see do well. Um, so what do some of the guys do for a living? I mean, what do you do for a living? I'm still trying to figure that out, what everybody does. <laughs> <laughs> but well, I know Rob, he works for, uh, I think, Kelly Blue Book or something. He's always driving around places. And uh, uh, Ryan does something up in Canada. I know he lives in Canada. That's like half the battle of knowing about Ryan. <laughs> um, Kirk, I don't, you know what? I, you had me thinking because I really don't know what half the guys do on the team. I know what I do, <laughs> but uh, you fix machines, correct? I, I, yeah, I work on uh, on pumps and like uh, like fire pumps or domestic uh, booster pumps for buildings, and I repair those and I test out fire pumps when like for new builds and all that stuff, and uh, you know, grown up stuff. Yeah. Which is cool because, yeah. like, when you were a kid sleeping on my couch in between uh, tournaments and practices and eating carne asada burritos by the beach, 
Two. Uh, <laughs> two. Yeah. I remember. So little insight into Carl's appetite and how he feeds the beast. Uh, we used to, when I, I used to have an apartment right down by the beach, and, uh, and there was this small little taco joint uh, right down the street. And every time people would come into town, I would take them to go eat carne asada burritos because that's about as San Diego as it gets is, you know, not some flashy, ridiculously expensive, just, you know, uh, really nice Mexican food place. We don't eat at those places. That's for sure. It has one window and one door. Yeah. Tur- tourists eat at those places. <laughs> yeah. uh, real San Diegans eat at uh, dirty Mexican taco shops. Like, you know, place hasn't been painted in 10 years. Um, looks like they might be serving rats from the alley in the back, but they really don't. <laughs> and so I would take them down to get carne asada burritos. And there's only been uh, two people that have ever come down went to this place, ordered a carne asada burrito, went back to the apartment a block and a half, ate it, and then after eating a carne asada burrito, which is about the size of your forearm, uh, decided then that one was not enough. They needed to go back and order a second carne asada burrito and eat another 1,500 calories, and that and one of those people was Carl Markowski. Uh, they were good. I'll give them that. Yeah, delicious carne asada burritos. Oh, I love them so much. So where are you, are you still living in the place where uh... – like up on the hill with the Greenspan and all them guys? Yes, we live on the hill. On the hill. Do you still have the truck with the, the rack on top? No, I do not have the uh, workman's truck anymore. Had to sell that thing. It was getting a little old. A little insight. I learned how to drive a stick shift in that thing. Cause I remember you looked at me and you go, you know how to drive a stick shift? And I said, I have no idea. Are you kidding me? You do not know how to drive a stick shift? Uh, no, oh, you were learning. We are going right now. Well, that's because you can't call yourself a grown man and not know how to drive a stick shift. I mean, what what if I cut my finger off in some freak uh, lawnmower accident or something and you're the only person there and the only car there is a stick shift and now I die because you can't get us to the hospital? Like, no, nah, <laughs> oh, well, We're stalling for days. That's Yeah, no. We'll every, every grown man ha- – I mean, what if zombie apocalypse happens and the car that we fight our way to is a manual transmission and I've been <laughs> shot? Or been bitten, and I'm about to turn into a zombie. Well, then you should blow my head off if I've been bitten, for sure. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, every every grown man needs to. Uh, so anytime I I have a, a you know a younger friend of mine who doesn't know how to drive a stick shift, um, yeah, that becomes like priority number one immediately. Yeah, I remember that we went to the uh, the parking lot by the bay, and yeah. uh, you picked it up though pretty quick. And you know that that was the only experience I had, and I went home. I went home, and then a little after there, I think I moved to. I think I moved to Minnesota, maybe a, maybe a few months afterwards or something like that. And I had a uh, I had a truck, an automatic. And right when I got there, gas was like five or almost five dollars a gallon or something like that. And I was like, okay, I gotta get a car. So I went to a dealership and I got a small stick shift car and I stalled it once. And then I was after that, I was good to go. Nice. nice. That's all the teaching I had was uh, the Matt Marshall way. <laughs> well, I'm glad it worked out for you. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Um, yeah, so uh, so let's let, let's get into your history, dude. Like, let's talk about where Car Markowski came from for all those people out there that may want to know where your blazing speed came from. Now, so yeah. did, did you work on this speed, or is that just God given? Uh, to be honest, it's uh, I think it's God given. I mean, I, I work on stuff here and there just by trying to stay active and you know playing basketball and and uh, doing some things here and there. But when I played baseball, it was. You know, in my mind, it was hit the ball as hard as I could and then try and get around the bases before they could throw it back. And then with football, it was, you know, I get it. I get the football and I run away from these 11 guys trying to tackle me as fast as, fast as I can. So, so what what position did you play in baseball? Uh, shortstop, catcher, pitcher, 
and uh, third base. That kind of sounds like my baseball career. <laughs> like every, yeah. What position did you play in baseball? Uh, every position. Um, and then uh, what position did you play in football? Running back, I'm probably guessing. <laughs> uh, I played running back, wide receiver. I was the kickoff guy, and I would get down there before – I would kick the ball off and get down there before anybody else would. <laughs> they had me sit back one time, and then I asked – I was like, Coach, let me – just let me run down – You know, let, let me run down the field. He goes, okay. So I was the first down, one down there every time. Uh, I was kick return. I was punt return. I was the punter. Um, and I was a captain. And that was about it. Nice. So, and, oh, I played nose guard too. Were you fast as a kid or did you develop at some point and you're just like, holy shit, I'm blazing fast all of a sudden? Or were you that like little fast kid in, in the neighborhood as well? Like, <sighs> I always thought I was kind of quick. Uh, one of my friends, uh, Mike Carroll, he um, he always beat me. Every time I raced him, he would always beat me, always beat me. And then after that, uh, in high school, I was semi-somewhat fast. There was always a kid faster than me in high school. And then as soon as I got out of high school, I, I, I think it's kind of where my it just uh, it grew. And I didn't, didn't lose a race since. I did race mouse, though. Yeah, I heard about it. So talk to me about this. I saw the Instagram video. It looked pretty close. To be honest, I thought maybe Mouse might have had you. I couldn't really tell from the angle. Uh, and Mouse has been begging to race you, too. Because Mouse, they talk about someone that's definitely improved his speed a lot through lots of training. I mean, Mouse oh, is yeah, a machine. Sure. That dude is, you know. Uh, but that's why I was wondering. Because I I mean, maybe, correct me if I'm wrong, but I doubt you're out there doing sprints during the week. I hope you should, probably should, because then you'd be even faster. But I'm guessing that you aren't, right? No, I, I, I play basketball uh, about just about every day after work. Basketball play... is not wind sprints, Carl. I'm talking about wind sprints. <laughs> well, okay, when you're playing little 12 year or not 12 year olds, but probably like 18, 19 year old kids who that's all they do is play basketball and it's it's half court and you're running back and forth. I at least get little sprints in there, but it's nothing where. Um, okay, I don't do a mouse test. Yeah, <laughs> that was yeah. Thank you. All right, that yeah, I was gonna say, hey. Hey, he, he, he's, uh, he's close to you, man. I was, I was, uh, he's, it was, uh, well, okay. This is how it went down. It was, uh, yeah. Tell me the whole story. Like, did he find, did he like go and seek you out and was like, that's it. We're racing or like, how did, how did this go down? Well, it was, uh, I think it was like Friday afternoon or something like that. And, and we're sitting out in front of GI and kind of throwing the football around. And then I see, I see Marcelo and I'm, I'm like, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm geared down, but I sell my cleats on, you know what? I'm just going to, this race whole thing is we might as well just make it happen. So I find, uh, if I get Marcelo, I'm like, Hey, get mouse. Let's just race, get this thing done. Let's, let's just get it over with. So he calls him up. He comes over We're like, okay, trying to find somewhere to race. And then we, we find this, the little, um, uh, little raceway, like right when you go to the fields, I'm like, all right, okay, we'll do it right there. So we line up and we race. And I guess we legitimately tied like our, our first time. So like, okay, we got to go again. So we get back, give it about a minute. And then we, we take off again and I stumble like halfway through and, you know, and he thinks he, he won and everything. I was like, Hey man, you know, I kind of stumbled a little bit, you know, you mind giving me one more race. And, uh, and he comes back, he goes, okay, okay, okay. And we get down, we start again and we race. And I guess we tied again. He, he might've beat me by a hair. Um, but I don't know. We're both going the same amount of uh, miles per hour done thing. So I don't really know who's winning or not, but he is, he is a lot quicker than what I thought he was. That's for sure. A straight, straight line run. He is. 
Yeah, no, Mouse is really fast. And people had, had kept telling me, uh, hey, man, you know, Mouse has gotten su- substantially faster in the offseason than, than he was. And he was already quick last year. And, uh, and, and I don't want to take anything away from Mouse. Mouse is a machine. He works very, very hard to be in the, the condition that he's in. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, but, he's a rock. Yeah, for sure. But I just think it's interesting that, you know, that's what's possible if you train hard. But I would love to see you put some effort in. And I mean, but I, because then who knows how fast you could get. But, the, but I think the one difference, though, is that Mouse is very fast and he definitely can close to make moves. But you use your speed as a legit weapon out there. I mean, go watch the games. Watch an Ironman game. Watch how Mouse plays. Mouse plays a little bit more of a, he plays a much more controlled game than you do. But you are really starting to, to use your speed as a weapon, as in, like I was talking about before, where, you know, I, I, when we saw this, like, I, I'd have to go back and watch the tapes again. But at least, I think, three or four times in the first couple games where you're in a spot, you see a move, you don't hesitate, you take off and go take a guy down. And that guy had no idea that you were going to actually make that, that move at that time and cover that much distance that fast. So you're actually using your speed more as a weapon out there on the field than Mouse is in, my, in, in all the games that I've seen you yeah. guys play. And, I mean, and there's a mindset behind it too. You know, I'm, not, I'm not just, uh, you know, you being a payball player, you, you obviously know there's always a timing and a gut feeling of when you got to do something, you do it. Um, and, and that's really how, how it is for me. I'm kind of playing it out in my head, you know, how I want it to go. And, uh, if I get that feeling and, you know, I, I shoot those two guys in at a certain time and, you know, if I get the feeling to go, I'm going to go and hopefully it works, you know, some of the time and, uh, it looks controlled, but, uh, you know, it, it's, it's been working to my advantage for sure. Well, another thing that's interesting about your speed too, and, uh, is that you, you're able to go really, really fast, and but you're also able to, you know, twist your body around to 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 get those shots. And we, you know, when we teach clinics, this is what, one of the things that we teach. It's like, look, when you're going forward, your forward's progress is going. You, you when you don't want to completely turn square to your target. I mean, you want to keep your feet pistoning forward, twist your upper body around, and then that way you can keep your momentum, keep your speed going through, be a harder hit, target to hit. Uh, and but that's where the training comes in. And that, that's another thing you're able to do really well is, is really wheel and deal and whip that gun around and get accurate shots on, you know, and I think that's one of the reasons that you're so good at running out to bunkers and shooting at people very fast, which is honestly why you were such a weapon. I mean, that's how Fedorov got famous. Fedorov got paintball famous because he was this young Russian kid running to the 50 snake and shooting people off, the, shooting back all accurately off the break. And no one really had done that before. And then we picked you up because you had that special ability too. Um, it's funny too, because it was Northeast open, I think like 2004 or something like that. And I watched, I was playing for Tim and effect and I was watching a Russian game and I saw them running and shooting. And that was the first time that I kind of saw a whole team legitimately running and shooting. And yeah. And I said to myself, I'm like, you know what, if I'm going to compete at the, at the highest level, you know, being on Tim and effect, I'm like, Oh, this is the highest level. But there's, you know, this is the highest level that I can get, but I can get that you know, one more playing for a pro team, you know, eventually, maybe someday. But uh, I said, you know what, I'm going to have to learn how to do that. And I worked on that almost every single day, like just running out to a bunker and then running and shooting, running out to a bunker and then running and shooting and just getting my form down. And, um, and it's, it's, you know, today, everybody, it's a demand. You have to do it. You have to know how to do it and you have to know how to do it accurately. Yes. And, uh, so no, man, I'm 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 just 
astounded at your ability to do that so well and also just your natural level of speed, I would be incredibly stoked if you actually started doing wind sprints like Mouse did because then, you know, maybe we just put this this uh, who's the fastest man in paintball to rest. But I'm stoked for Mouse that, that, he, that he's, you know, that fast now um, because, you know, I – and the reason, because a lot of people be like, why does Maddie keep saying that Karl Markowski is fastest player in paper? I'm like, I'm saying it because I've seen it with my own two eyes, man. You know, like, I mean, how many, how many races do we, because for people that don't know, when you were, we, we would just do this. When you were on excessive, we would just call another team out and be like, who's your fastest guy? All right, give him, Carl's going to race him. And then we'd make you, you didn't have a choice. We're making you race <laughs> their fastest guy. And we did that for like four years. Yeah. And, uh, and you didn't lose a race for four whole seasons, maybe more than that. Um, do you ever, I don't, do you remember losing a race to anybody? I don't remember you losing a race to anybody. No, I'm, I'm taking this one against Mouse as a tie. I still haven't lost yet. So, and I, I told him we'll do a tiebreaker too at the, at the next event. Nice. Nice. So, nobody, I had, I can't remember, um, since I started playing paintball, I can't remember losing a race. Well, keep it up, man. And another thing too is, uh, you know, you're not a spring chicken anymore, Carl. You know, I mean, you're not. Dude, I'm I'm 28 years old, man. <laughs> I may have had gray hair since I was 19, but I have a lot more now. Well, you haven't gotten fat. You've always kind of had that freakish build. I remember I tell that one story too, where uh, do you remember that time when we were at the bar and uh, Orlando, and there was that that uh, that machine where you, you punching know, machine. the punching machine, and there were those two <laughs> jack dudes who were just like, you know, throwing their shoulders out, trying to hit this thing as hard as they could. I, and I can't remember if they called you out or if you said, hey, let me get a punch in there. And they were like, looked at you and they're like, who the hell is this skinny kid? Yeah, man, go for it, you know? And, uh, and then you hit it and you hit it harder than them. And then they were like, no, that's, that's, that's got to be wrong. I, I, yeah, it was a little hazy, to be honest, because it was, uh, you know, after the tournament and we'd been drinking a little bit. But do, yeah. you, remember, do you remember that at all? I do, I do. And I don't know if we if we started making bets after that or if we did already, but I those dudes were huge too. Huge, yeah. Jack monsters for sure. Have, um, have you always kind of been like built like that, like freakishly strong for not really lifting weights? Or <laughs> I have. It was the same thing in high school too. Like I, I was strong and everything, and I I was really. I was never one to to hit the gym and and hit the weights. Like I would stay act. Like I would stay active. That was my one thing. That I've, I've always told myself, just stay active. You know, I, I play softball and I play the most, I play third base in softball, which is you're getting softballs hit to you every which direction. I'm still diving around. You know, I play flag football. Uh, I play basketball. I'm actually going out this weekend and doing sprints and stuff, which is funny that we're, we're saying it, but uh, I'm kind of starting to get into the, uh, to that whole thing. Um but yeah, I've I've kind of always had like a, a weird strength and speed and ability. Uh, well, yeah, it's like I remember when you came out and uh, you're staying with me for a little bit of time and uh, in between practices, and we uh, we we had the meat hammers, the softball team, where it was like all the <laughs> dynasty guys, like basically all the paintball dudes that lived in in uh, down in Pacific Beach and in San Diego would come and we'd play softball, and uh, and and you, you'd. You come up and you have one at bat and and hit a home run. That was it. It was like Carl Markowski for his uh, his uh, special plate appearance. Oh, and he just jack went over the yard. Oh, nice. <laughs> I, I was wearing jeans too. I remember that because I never I didn't plan on playing. I was wearing like jeans and like a you know like a long sleeve or something like that. And I was like, oh oh, oh let me try. I want to try. 
you guys threw me in there. Yeah, well, you did just fine. Actually, it was great. <laughs> um, but no, it'd be cool, man. If you if you really start doing some sprints, I mean, you, you you're already a weapon with your speed. So because you are actively using your weapon as a speed, some guys that are real fast don't necessarily cover that gap as fast as other guys do. Like Chad Boussier is to me, even though he may not be the fastest guy in the league, but he uses his speed as a weapon. You know, yeah. he can get from point A to point B, from bunker to bunker so fast, it's really hard for guys to react to that. And that's a, there is a difference out there, and it's one of the reasons that he's been so dominant on the D side. Speaking of that, how crazy is it that Damage and Heat had to play each other to see who was going to go down in the Man, relegation match? I never thought that that was going to happen, to be honest. That's why um, it's so entertaining to watch these these tournaments now, you know, is there's oh, yeah. so much at stake. There's always something interesting happening. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was crazy, man. And I mean, he is going to have to play in the challengers division, which I don't think anyone saw that coming. Like you were saying, no, and I definitely think they're going to, they're going to come back. Um, they'll, they'll bump back up, but, uh, but you have one bad tournament and you are now only going to be able to play, you know, if you get bumped down to the, uh, the challengers, you only have now, X amount of events left for, for them. They only have, what, three events left to try and get back up to the challengers or the champions or to compete at the in the champions division. So you have one bad event, and then you lose an event for the next one because you're playing in the challengers division. So it's it, you got to be on every single every single event. Yeah, it makes for a very entertaining paintball, but, God, it must yeah, I like be it. I like so nerve-wracking for you guys out there because every point's important. Um, which sometimes slows the game down a little bit, but this layout was crazy, man. We saw so many insane run-throughs. Like, I'm having a hard time picking the, the top 10 run-throughs to the event because there was just so many three-packs. I mean, even, like, a couple guys had five-packs. Like, Colt Roberts had a five-pack, uh, five kills at the end. To close it out, it was like a walk-off five-pack, too, uh, to cement their come-from-behind victory. I think that was against Infamous. And, uh, and All then, these guys are so good, too. I mean, that's what makes it tough is, is that – not you can't really single out a team because every single one of them they're all playing you know the highest level of paintball and have been playing for how long so it's it's so every team is so tough to play that's that's what i don't think the divisional players know man this this league is no joke every player can do that yeah which is why it's admirable to see like a team like vicious make it all the way to the uh, you know to the finals, and though they did lose to to uh, to Infamous, it was still awesome. That's the farthest they've ever got, and uh, and you know they got stomped in practice leading up to the event. I mean, Ironman beat the tar out of them for two weeks straight. Um, then they went to Florida and and got their teeth kicked in by Damage, and then mm -hmm. uh, and then they go out and actually uh, and then Vicious beat Ironman in a head-to-head -head game. Even, you know, so it doesn't, I mean, that, that's just one of those things, man. We talk about this all the time. Practice is just that. It's practice. It's incredibly important. But just what happens in practice is not what's going to happen in the tournament. So Vicious comes in after a real hard month of practicing. Not And same with you guys. Like, you know, you guys weren't able to play outdoors. Vicious wasn't able to play outdoors until that, that month of practice. And Todd was just screaming at these guys. And we did a practice report on, for, in PBA. Check it on our YouTube channel. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and Todd was just losing his shit out there because, you know, he's, he – and, you know, Todd's one of my boys. He's my co-host over here. And so we talk about the game a lot. And, you know, he had expressed his frustration. He's like, man, what I see in these guys, what I know they're capable of, I, you know, I just wish that they would believe that too. Because if they did, they would be, you know, uh, they'd be out there – 
playing for the win. And sure enough, you know, and sure enough, mm -hmm. and that game, even though it was seven to three in the finals, that was a great game. And that was one of the more, uh, we, it was a chaotic field day out. And we saw a bunch of crazy games, but that, that game was really, really close. I mean, the first couple points came down to one-on-ones. There was a couple no points. There was lots of penalties. I mean, it was, it was a really close game until about four minutes left, even though the score ended up infamous ro rolled off some points towards the end to, to win it. But, um, yeah. You know, and Infamous is a good story, too. And, uh, I mean, you know those guys. You used to play with Infamous. Yeah. Did you yeah. get – I mean, speaking of some of these bigger teams, I mean, did, are you starting to get offers? Did you get some offers in the offseason to, to switch camps and and go play for other, you know, more well-funded teams? I did I did get a couple after World Cup. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, I told them all, you know, I, you know, I gave my word to, uh, to Bruno and Rennick that, uh, that I would play and that I would play with them. And I, I'm kind of, I, I'm real big on loyalty. And at least if I tell somebody something, you know, I, I, I play it out. So um, I'm guessing you want me to tell the teams that were trying to pick me up. <laughs> well, I mean, that would be cool. If you don't want to, I, I will respect your, uh, you know, your Fifth Amendment privileges. Uh, but I'm assuming I'm just throwing some names out there. Probably Heat, probably Damage, maybe the Russians, Art Chaos. I, I mean, the teams with money. And uh, that we're trying to cherry pick players, I'm assuming. Yeah, yeah. There's, uh, I got approached by Heat, um, Iron Man. Uh, that's, I think that's, I think that's really about it. I mean, it was just those two teams who I actually didn't even think had my number. So, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I just told them that I was, you know, I was grateful for the uh, for the opportunity of of the offer and everything. But uh, I gave my loyalty to. Um, to Rennick and Bruno that I'd play with them this year, which is, yeah, I kind of did that too, because they were the only ones who were going to give me a chance uh, to play with them in Chicago last year. Uh, when I was just, I was pretty much just going to be at the event last year and was looking for a team. I got a hold of uh, Alex Martinez because back in 2010, I kind of jumped on them, you know, jumped on the, on their team for just the event. And then I tried to do the same thing at, at this one. He goes, Oh, we kind of got a full roster and, and, uh, you know, it was kind of poking around, poking around, trying to find teams, trying to throw numbers out there and, and looking around because I'm, but I'm just going to be at this event. And that was the whole thing that Todd was talking about too, where he, I talked to Carl and uh, see if they were just had like a little spot just for Chicago. And uh, I think it was Yeah Yeah who told me, he goes, Hey man, why don't you just, here's Bruno's number, give him a call, see if he, see if they need anybody. And then it just went on from there. And I told him too in the beginning, I was like, Bruno, man, I'm only playing Chicago. I can only do Chicago. I'm just going to be here. I don't really have any interest in playing, in, you know, really at all anymore. I'm just, if you need me, I'm here. I have equipment. And and then, but I only got to play the one day. So I was like, oh, man, well, yeah, I, I want to play a full event. So then West Coast Open comes up, and then our results from there uh, happen. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, now I have to play in the Champions Division for World Cup. I can't just, you know, not play. So, and then it just kind of my, my love for the sport and uh, my desire and drive to play just kind of grew from there. Yeah, that, that's, um, I mean, I kind of want to jump into your history here, but let's just kind of get right to that real quick. I mean, you know, you you did take a, a big break, like you were saying earlier, you just kind of had lost the the drive and the love for, for having to put the time in and, and playing at the highest level, because it is, 
I mean, you get a lot of, uh, there's a lot of, you know, it's not a, not a payment necessarily in a monetary sense, but the the things that you do get from that test, from the challenge of playing pro paintball, or playing paintball in general at a high level, I don't care if it's D3, D2, D1, whatever, uh, local tournaments, I mean, there's a there's a big challenge there. It's a big test, and it's, it's incredibly invigorating. Um, but, but at the same time, uh, it's just... Where did that come from? I mean, was it where? I mean, we had it always kind of been there, maybe just simmering on the back burner, and then it got ignited again when you got on shock and started fighting for it again. I mean, where did that come from? Like, wh why? Why are you back? <laughs> well, when I left too, uh, when I left Infamous, it was I didn't have any money too. I, my real life at home, I couldn't find a job that would let me leave for paintball, and uh, couldn't really find a job. Period, and. Um, you know, kept looking around, looking around, looking around, and that's and then that kind of reflected on a bit in, into paintball too, and my desire and everything just kind of fell out of that. But uh, my desire for the game kind of came back when I realized that I'm good at this. You know, I'm good Damn at this, right. and it's kind <laughs> of like a calling. <laughs> you know, if if you're good at something, you know, try and succeed the best you can at it, and. Uh, I just love the sport, man. I love the the friends that got out of it. I love the the sport itself. I love the challenge that it is, and uh, you know, just and being on a team like Chicago Aftershock, it's it's not that it's always a struggle, but I feel like it's um, nobody's really going to take us serious. At least that's how the team was. I feel like before I got on the team and before you know it, kind of things started gelling together was. Well, Chicago aftershock, yeah, they can make these crazy moves. Have a, you know a few fast guys like Caleb Abel and a couple guys on the team, and um, but nobody respected them. I feel, and I, I feel like now we're kind of slowly gaining that respect from these teams. Uh, we're not just running around like uh, monkeys. We're we're actually you know putting people into the ground. So you know, we're we're getting that respect back, and and that helps with my drive for the game. Yeah, that's a good answer, man. I mean, there there is. There is a certain element of a call, calling there, and, and I'm I'm just very happy to see you back because I love watching you play. I think you're going to be you already are a huge asset to shock, and and who knows how good you can get again um, now that you're in this. And it's just a great, it's like a second act, you know. And that's one of the cool things about life is that you know there's always a chance for more redemption. I mean, you were definitely one of those kids that was a rising star throughout the 2000s. Um, you know, from about 2004 till when did you walk away? 2009, I think. Yeah, yeah, 2009 and that, 2009. And that was a tough time for everybody. And I think that, you know, that was kind of that no bullshit assessment of what the hell's going on in the world for the entire industry around that time and for the world in general because that was the Great Recession. And, and, and so many people were impacted by that, and uh, myself included, that the sport. I mean, that, that was the year that the PSP went to four events. And, I mean, everyone thought, you know, not only did financial apocalypse come close to happening but I mean for a lot of people it was happening and still yeah. is in a lot of ways and uh and and so you know kind of having lived through that that rise of the sport when you know there's oh there's like all these video games and there's going to be these tv shows and like all this you know oh yeah being on excessive and having things thrown at you like just guns and just gear and I remember I got on the team I thought I won the lottery you know it was just like all this stuff and especially hanging out with you guys where everybody knew you guys so it was just like meeting everybody and then going to, you know, get one pair of goggles, an event, and, uh, you know, you got to return your gun at the end of the year and stuff like that. It was like, man, this is definitely, definitely changed. That's for sure. Yeah. But, but I think that that 
you know, in, in a lot of ways, you can draw strength from that and uh, yeah. and from that life lesson. I mean, and that's, I mean, to be honest, that's why shit, dude. That's why PBA exists. PBA exists to to try to, you know, I mean, yes, it's what we're doing is an expensive enterprise and it's very technically difficult and challenging to do what we're doing at this level. But we're doing this because it's a homegrown thing. It's 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 paintball people covering paintball again, uh, learning from all the mistakes in the past and all the different shows that have come and gone, and trying to do this from the grassroots up. That's why if you're listening to this, it's important for us for you guys to support what we're doing because you know we you know with statistics and and everything that we've done, we're trying to carve a real sport out of this. Paintball is an amazing, fascinating thing. It's a challenge unlike very few things on earth. Uh, I mean, I've played with so I mean, so many stories of playing with like different pro athletes over the years and how much they just love the challenge of paintball. And obviously, you know, yeah. their day gig's pretty good playing, you know, in the NFL or Major League Baseball or it's a day job. Yeah, you know, it's it's an awesome day job. And they get to go back to their mansion, trophy wives and sports cars. Um, but at the same time, you know, that like, and I hear this a lot, man, like, oh, when, where's Red Bull at, man? What is the Red Bull coming? It's like, look, guys, let's get, let's, let's actually make this a fucking sport. And then everyone can come to us. You know what I'm saying? Cause it's that, yeah. it's not going to be that simple. And, uh, and, you know, unless somebody has got a hotline to the, the marketing dudes at Red Bull, um, please hit me up on Facebook if that's true. Uh, <laughs> but, um, but, but that's the thing. So it's kind of cool to see, you know, you have this second act where, you know, you rode that wave of, of being this incredibly talented guy on, on the, you know, championship team for a year when we were doing really well with success. We did well for a couple of years, actually. Um, mm. But then have to go back completely, you know, I mean, and completely basically like break the mold on everything in your life from relationships to jobs to where you lived and all that and start from you know the ground up again completely rebuild your life do an awesome job of that get a job get married you know like do the whole thing and then but this you know burning need to you know do what you do which is you know play the game of paintball I mean you are gifted at that you have gifts that very few human beings even at the top level have naturally you know so it's it is. And I still have stuff to work on, you know, I, I and, it, you know, for all the players out there too, man, it's all these guys that are up here playing at this top level, we all have stuff to work on. Like, you know, I may be known for my speed, but I, I still need to work on my gunfighting. I still need to work on my speed. I still need to work on, you know, a lot of things. And, you know, don't get me wrong. I love being known as that, that quick, fast player. Um, but I also want to be known for a really good gunfighter and a really good, you know, player with really good timing and, you know, so it's, <clears throat> and I, that, that's what I love about paintball too, is it's so, uh, encompassing of, of an athlete because you have to know how to run. Um, but you also have to know how to direct a paintball marker in, in a spot where you have to shoot, where a guy's standing still and shooting back at you, um, timing and, and communication. And it's, it's, you know, it's, it's fun. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, and it's to me, it's uh, <clears throat> it's you know, I think that you were a baseball player, and I think that when you look at the parallels, and there's not a lot of like direct parallels, but I think one of the most fascinating parallels between paintball and baseball is that you know, baseball is an activity where if you are if you're successful three times out of ten, you're an all star. And paintball, when you when you really look at the stats and you start breaking the stats down. Dude, first of all, just the most important stat, wins. Well, you lose way more than you win. You yeah. know, I mean, look at Heat's record from the past two years. Not this year, obviously, because they're not getting out to a great start. But 
you know, we still got four more events. But the two years before that, that he existed, you know, they won uh, four events out of ten, which is completely ridiculous. But even they lost more tournaments than they won. And when you start breaking it down, I mean, the measure of greatness, if you can get over averaging one kill per point that you play, you're a superstar. Very, very few people can, can achieve that level of, uh, you know, of, of G-rating prowess. Um, and, and then it's just, and it's tough. You know, I mean, the, the win rating on the top guys is, you know, I mean, some of them in the 60%, 60 percentile, you know. So it's, it's a difficult sport. And mentally, yeah. I think that to me, that's the most important part of it. Like we just did, uh, uh, just did an interview on PBA with Archie Montemayor. And, you know, he, he's talking about, you know, what makes, what separates him from the pack and he's like, man, this game's all mental. You know, I mean, everything from what the other team's doing to, you know, what, where, where am I, when I'm in my bunker and shooting at somebody else's bunker, what part of the bunker am I shooting at and why? You know, there's all these little mental things that go on out there. To me, that's the fascinating part about the sport. And, and obviously what separates, you know, a good paintball player from a great one and a great one from, you know, somebody that's defines what the sport means in our generation currently, you know? So. Yeah. Well, and, and with the, with the stats too, I mean, um, <laughs> you know, you don't have to go out there and shoot everybody every single point. You may not even get to shoot, you know, you may not even get one G every other point or something. But if your job is to get to the 50 and draw guns so that the other guy on the other side of the field can shoot somebody, you're doing your job. Like, I try not to look at the stats and everything too much. Like, you know, but what you guys are doing a great job at. Don't get me wrong. You know, it's it's a definite, it's, the, the webcast and the stats are a visual for a sport that has no voice. And I think you guys are doing great at it. But um, but also the guy on the other side of the field who's not getting kills but he's drawing guns is doing just as good a job as that guy who's shooting him in the pack. Totally. And I think that's another that's another, you know, side of the sport that uh, that uh, you know needs to be explained too. Well, yeah, and I mean, <clears throat> you know, I'd love to put more eyeballs surrounding the field. Uh, so we can start <coughs> counting assists. <coughs> Excuse me, but you know that's why you need to pay for Sunday because then we get more resources so we can do more cool stuff. But uh, yeah, stop but, being cheap. Yeah, Jesus Christ. Um, yeah. But the thing is, is that you know that a sport doesn't exist without statistics. There's, I mean, every single sport has some sort of metric which lets you in, and and it's not necessarily for the guys playing the game. That's great. Like you know, I'm sure Archie's pretty stoked on his number one rating right now. But you know, there's going to be another tournament, and then there's going to be another tournament after that. And what it really lets the coaches and the fans do is kind of dive into these different metrics, these different numbers, you know, be like, oh, you know, let's, you know, we're, let's look at the survivability. Like, okay, well, you know, like for instance, Colt Roberts is in the top five. He's actually ranked fifth, right? Archie Montemayor is first. But when you look at their survivability percentage, Archie is number one in survivability, which is pretty awesome compared, you know, considering that he's in perilous situations a lot. Colt is, is the definition of perilous situations for X Factor because they set him up the center a lot. So he's, he's risking himself a lot. And he's down like, I think, 73rd in survivability. Mm -hmm. But even though he took 73rd in survivability in that one category, he still ranked in the top five because his other categories yeah. were so great. You know, so, you know, that's the sport, though. That's what makes paintball interesting is there's it's not just how many guys you're going out there and shooting. That's only 30% of your overall player rating, just how many pure 
pure killing ability, you know, that's, but that's, but that's interesting because that gives you a depth that you're now able to kind of dig into these, these different games and and watch them and actually, okay, I'm watching this game and I'm watching these guys do what they do so I can be entertained by and be educated by what the best in the business are actually doing. And, uh, and that's a huge resource, man. It's a huge resource for players of all skill levels across the globe, because if that didn't exist, then where are you going to go? Then now you, you can just go to your local field and watch the best guys there. Well, those might not be the best guys in the world. You know, I mean, you can watch videos, but because of the lack of support, a lot of paintball video companies haven't really been, you know, putting out DVDs. Thank God that there's been, you know, some teams and some some sponsors. Like, you know, again, why I love Planet Eclipse. This is actually a good segue. Actually, I didn't mean to do this, but why don't we talk about uh, Planet uh, doing Aftershock as as the subject for season three of the roster? When did you guys get that news? Uh, I I heard it. I heard something about it at World Cup last year. And I was like, that would be a great kind of Kickstarter for this team, you know, or even a fan starter for the team. Um, but regardless of whether we're getting filmed or not, the team's got to play good. But now it's just going to be, you know, put online forever, whether <laughs> what's going to happen. So, um, but for me, it was like, man, this is a perfect opportunity for this team to to really show what it's made of. And uh, and I. I think it, you know, even even though some, you know, some of the guys might not say anything about it, but I really think it's, you know, they're thinking about it and they're like, man, I really want to play well, you know, for the cameras, if you know, however you want to put it, but uh, but you know, I I I love the fact that we're we're the the team getting filmed because I we're the underdog, you know, it's, that's pretty much how you got to put it. We're the underdog, and uh, it's kind of just following us on our story. And uh, I think it's going to be a great documentary. I think so, too. And you guys are definitely the underdogs because you're not that highly funded. You don't have, you know, a, a, a ridiculously rich owner that's going to you know, fly you guys all around and give you everything you need. You're going to have there's going to be a lot of struggle there. And there already yeah. has been a lot of struggle. I mean, dude, Aftershock fans are lucky that the Aftershock program's still around. Yeah. And, uh, mm-hmm. and it's been a really hard fight and, and it's up to guys like Rennick and Mikey Bruno to keep that flame alive and then try to really be emphatic about telling the guys that are on the team what, what's at stake. You know I mean? In a very real sense, the legacy of the team is at stake. That is, that's as true as gravity, man. Like yeah. no bullshit. Aftershock is, uh, one of the most winningest teams that's ever played the game has won, you know, this is, and this was long ago. And we're talking about, you know, late 90s, late nineties, early two thousands when shock was at its pinnacle and they did, they played great in the nineties too, but that was 14 years ago, man. <laughs> so, that's so this crazy. is a completely new age. And, uh, and, and I just, I see, I've seen personally seen the evolution of the guys that are on shock currently on the field. And I don't really know the guys that well off the field, um, and so I, I want to know what happens behind the scenes. I, I've heard, you know, I've, obviously I know Mikey, I know you, um, talk to the guys a little bit, you know, uh, when, you know, when we have to do our due diligence so that I don't sound like a, an idiot when I'm up there talking <laughs> about the team. Um, but at the same time, like the ins and outs and what goes on behind the, those squads is I think a lot of people are going to be, be able to relate to that because aftershock is just the same behind the scenes as many divisional level teams are. Um, yeah. and, and I, and I, and seeing what you guys did at the first event, yeah, you went one and three in the prelims and had to play in a relegation match again against storm, but you beat the brakes off storm and I can't wait to see MAO and see what you guys do. And, uh, and not only that, but planet is, you know, going to be following you guys around all year long. And Dan Napoli is going to be putting together another masterpiece. <coughs> so I can't wait to, 
do the VO for that, man. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be pretty excited about that because I just think it's a, and it's a cool project. You know, it's it's one of those things that. You know, it, you need to have information in order to care about things. With all yeah. the billion distractions that exist in the world, if you don't have information out there about teams, players, the sport itself, all this different stuff, again, that's our mission here. And I try to help as many people as possible within the framework of the sport to tell those stories. And that's why I'm so happy that, you know, Planet, thank God there's, there's companies like Planet around. Um, and I'm, I'm tugging on their chain for a good reason. You know, I'm not stroking off planet because it makes me smile. I'm doing it because they're doing a, a big service for the sport. And yeah, it puts, oh, yeah. it puts their brand out there in front of, uh, but those are very expensive projects and you know, more people need to, to, you, you, you vote with your money, man. You know, like this, that again, it's kind of one of those reckonings that, that humanity's had since, you know, the late you know, aughts, you know, since 2009, 2010, but in a very real sense, moving forward, the things that you give your support to, like if you want to eat healthy food and drink healthy beverages, well, buy more of that shit. If you want to see more cool paintball stuff, buy that content, support it. That's the only way things work because, you know, there you can't just expect some like money angel to come down, plant some money trees so we can just go pluck thousand dollar bills off of it and continue to bring, you know, these paintball stories to everybody. That does sound like a great idea. God, if we could find a money <laughs> tree, that would be so awesome. I'd be stoked. But, uh, you know, it, like you were saying, it's, you know, it's especially when you when everybody has everything in the palm of their hand, literally, you know, when, when the information and everything is right there, the the more you can make it, you know, steadily available. But, you know, it comes at a price and it's just like a webcast. If, if you want to be able to enjoy it, you know, it comes at a price and uh, you just, you just got to kind of suck it up, man. You, you Everybody's paid how much for paintball during the years? Lots. Lots and lots and lots of money. I know I have. But, uh, you know, something small like this or even like the um, the Eclipse, you know, when they have theirs on, on Vimo or whatever it's called, um, you know, that costs money. But it's going towards the sport. That's the, that's the thing. It's going towards the sport. You're not you're – not, it's not going to Pepsi. It's not going to Red Bull. It's not going here. It's going back – into the sport. So, I mean, I think it's a, I think it's a good idea. I hope people open their eyes and realize really what, you know, what it's for and, uh, and just kind of suck it up and pay it. Yeah. I hate to feed trolls, but man, some of the shit that I saw people saying just such, so ignorant about the ways of the world and how things actually get done. Um, you know, when you really kind of roll up your sleeves and try to create things in the world and that's just part of the deal. Like i it, you know, try to accept all criticism and listen to everybody uh, equally, uh, mostly, you know. But at the same time, I mean, it was just very infuriating. Like, guys, some of the people were like, oh, these these companies like HK and Planet and Die and, 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 and Empire just making trillions of dollars and this and that. It's like, no, man. I'm like, I, I, I deal with those marketing guys all the time. I know whether, where they're at and, you know, everyone's supporting it, everything as much as they possibly can. You know, it's, we've made so much progress. If you look at how well the PSP's done, I mean, you know, in order for paintball to actually get to where we all want it to be, it's like, you know, it's one of those things. Like, you can sit there and, like, that's why I, I totally appreciate all those people that are like, oh, power of positive thinking and, you know, that, that's great and everything. And you really want to focus on your goals and your dreams and you want to sit there and, like, imagine the Ferrari that you're going to be driving and the secret and, like, all that stuff. And, and, I, and I appreciate that. And absolutely. Like, yes, you want to think positively about your life, 
You don't want to be a miserable bastard just mulling through life and angry at everything all the time because you will. Or you do. Or you, you can. You know, that, hey, it's your prerogative. You can do whatever you want, yeah. man. This that's light. That's part of the cool thing about being alive. You can choose any path you want. But one of the reasons I can't stand that shit is because you know, if you ever <laughs> you ever needed it, has anyone ever dug ditches? I, my dad made me dig ditches when I was a kid, and sitting there and thinking about digging the ditch never got the ditch dug. You had to actually pick up a goddamn shovel, put it in the dirt, work hard, and then you can dig the ditch. My dad used to have a, and I still to this day think about this when I have any sort of big challenge in front of me, whatever it may be. I always think about this, and you know, I, my, you know, my dad would send me to go do chores, rake up leaves, dig a ditch, put sprinklers in, whatever, man, all the assorted things that we had to do around the house as kids to earn your allowance. And uh, and my, so if my dad ever caught me just kind of sitting there and thinking about how much I didn't want to be doing that particular chore and wanting to be playing video games or riding my bike or doing anything else but that, you know, and I'm sitting there and in my head and I'm just like, God damn it, I don't want to rake these leaves up. This sucks. Or I don't want to do, you know, I don't want to do whatever it is that I'm, I was assigned to do. My dad would come and he'd, and he'd, <laughs> he'd look at me and go, hey, boy, <laughs> staring at it ain't going to get it done. You know, and, and it's and that's true. You can't just yeah. sit there and think positively about something and, and some magical muse is going to come down and give that thing to you. You have to work for it. You, you have can't to, spell action without act. Yeah, you have, you to, have to put work in. And that's literally what we're doing to build a sport. You know, these these companies aren't just willy nilly, you know, burning through money. To, to just giving money. To, and that's like when kids, some kids will be, you know, I hear these emails that get sent in uh, for sponsorship requests. Be like, hey, I'm 14, and um, we, I'm from, uh, you know, Chattanooga, uh, you know, and I, and you know, Die sponsors uh, CEP, and I just love paintball, and I just, I really need a DM14. So if you could send a DM14 to me, that would be great. I'm like, man, that is not how it works, you know. So good try, though. Yeah, good try. Hey, you know what? You never know what you're gonna get unless you ask for it. But at the end of the day, I just, I just having grown up in the paintball world and uh, and seen what works and what doesn't. I just, you know, and I just get a little scared sometimes for a generation that, that thinks they're entitled to everything because that is not how shit works, man. You have to work for things. And we're over here trying to build a sport up. We've created statistics. You guys are, you know, bleeding out there on the field and have awesome stories that need to get told. And, you know, when you look back at the history of baseball, the history of football, all of the histories of UFC, all mixed martial arts, when you look at how these entities, these activities became professional sports, they did it on the back of heroes. They did it on the back of history. They did it on the back of statistics. They did it on the back of people telling those stories that created, that ignited something inside people that, that found those things interesting, that had you know common values with the people that did that or or wanted to watch these people do things that they couldn't do. You know, so and uh, and it's not gonna happen overnight. That's another thing too, is people are like, we need to get paintball in the Olympics. I'm like <laughs> No, man, that's let, let's let's focus on shit we can actually accomplish like in the next year, because if we put that brick in the wall, the next year we'll put two bricks in the wall. And then, yeah, maybe in 20 or 30 years, maybe that's a possibility. But like, let's create the sport first by doing what sports need to do to live in the minds of other human beings so that we can't have that be a potential thing that could happen in the future. You know, Sorry. I'm going to make a T-shirt that says, yes, paintball is a real sport <laughs> or like or like I get the. Uh, uh, pro paintball, yes, it exists. It's <laughs> yeah, always right. those. Oh, you played? Oh, I didn't know. That, I didn't know you could go pro at that. It's <laughs> yeah. always that. So, well, tell me. Uh, well, we got a little bit more time left here. Tell me about how did you get into the game? Because we we snagged you off of, believe it or not, Tipman Effect. Carl was running out there with the Tipman shooting people, and we played against you, and you happened to get to the fifty because you're blazing fast. And we were like, God, who's this kid over here? Um, but how did you kind of get going in the sport? 
Uh, man, let's see. I think it was like between my uh, sophomore and junior year of high school. <clears throat> a good friend of mine, um, Mike Carroll again, uh, Shady Mac. He he was like, "Hey man, just come out this weekend. We're playing paintball. What the hell is paintball?" And um, you know, he got me out there with his dad and everything. We started shooting around, and that instant, that instant, out in the woods shooting each other, I was hooked. I went out. No, my uncle was like, "Oh yeah, I got a paintball gun." How old he were you at the time? Pump thing. How, huh? How old were you? Maybe like sixteen. Okay, sixteen years old, and um, got out there. And the first drill that I actually did to kind of get a handle on the paintball gun was uh, these old plastic yellow handlebars were hanging at my grandma's house, and I stuck a plastic bottle in the handlebars, and I would stand back and I would shoot inside of the plastic bottle like that's how i like i shoot it out i go put it back up there then i shoot it out put it back up there and um ever since then i you know just like with all my other sports i always wanted to be the best at you know what i did and so i just started reffing in a paintball or a, yeah paintball field and uh, toledo indoor paintball and then from there got on tipman effect and uh that's actually where i turned pro was on tipman effect seven man and we i think we we might. I think we beat Excessive one time. I know we beat Arsenal when they had Marcus Nielsen and all them guys on there. Um, we got our shit pushed in a lot. Uh, but there's a couple of big pro teams that we played that we beat. And then, come, I think it was Las Vegas. Um, we played you guys, and I got to the 50 before Thomas did. I did get shot and slid in, but uh, <laughs> but I did get there, and you guys recognized. I almost played for the Naughty Dogs before you guys. you know that? I remember you kind of you told me something about that when we first picked you up because I guess Rocky had also you'd either played Rocky or Rocky saw you play and he had scouted you and came up and said hey you know we want you to come up to a tryout or was it something like that. Do you remember BW? Yeah, it was. Um, I was getting ready to move to Seattle at the time, and uh, I think I approached him and Rocky and I was like, hey, can you guys you know I I got my courage up and I walked up to him and I was like, hey uh, you know I'm Colin Markowski blah blah, blah play for Tip and Effect. You know, already they're going, yeah, okay. Um, and I was like, you know, do you guys mind, please, you know, watching a game of mine? Uh, I, I would love to play for you guys. I'm moving to Seattle, um, close to you guys. And um, I think that was that. Maybe, maybe we've been the game against you guys. And um, I think Rich came up to me after the game, and he goes, hey, do you want to play for us? And I was scared shitless, and I was like, uh, uh, I have a tryout with uh, Naughty Dogs. So he goes, okay, real, whatever. And he walks away. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my God, I'm already making enemies. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I went back to the hotel room that night, and I'm like, okay, guys, you know, all the t- guys on the team, I'm like, what do I do, man? Do I do I go play for, try and play for Naughty Dogs, or do I find Rich and kind of redeem myself? Like, Dude, you got to play for Excessive. What are you talking about? You go to. So the next day, I go over and I'm searching for you guys, and I talk to Rich. And I'm like, hey, I would love to play for you guys. He goes, uh, okay, talk to him or give all your information to him. And I think he pointed at you. And I think I'm. I gave you all my information and everything. Yeah, I remember that. And uh, we were kind of. I can't remember where exactly we were on the field, but it was in between games. And yeah, you'd come up, and I was like, and uh, Rich was like, "Oh, this was that kid that made the 50." And at the time, and we we had so many dudes that were, you know, we had way bigger rosters back then because it was it just you had to have more dudes on your team in order to play that particular form of paintball that existed back then, whether it was seven man or, you know, at the time, <clears throat> X ball. Yeah, and, real uh, X ball. Yeah, <clears throat> but uh, but yeah, but what? Obviously, your speed made you stand out. But you were real raw then. You were super raw. But you just had like 
you were so durable. I mean, because we, we, we had, we, you came out to a practice and, uh, smoked everyone in a race. And then, um, and then you were, you know, we just, you're the little, you're the teenage kid. You weren't, you're not little, but you were you know, the young kid. And so it was like, yeah, 50 off the break, every single, or, or uh, snake off the break, every single point pretty much. And Rich's field at the time was concrete, concrete, dude. I mean, it was, you know, it was dirt, but barely, I mean, dirt only, yeah. only looked like dirt. It felt like stone. My right knee still is not right. Um, but, uh, but yeah, and you just had no regard for your body, dude. You were just diving in there headfirst, Superman dives at full speed, game after game after game after game, and um, and then you became one of our weapons. Um, then and and then you were and then then you and I played on energy together, and we ended up winning that. So Miami. much fun! Yeah, oh, so much fun. Won that Miami tournament, and and then uh, and you came out and stayed with us and stayed. I just you were always like a super humble, awesome kid who I didn't really think like was aware of how talented you were and. Um, and relatively mentally weak when you were younger, which is why I'm really excited now because I started to see it after you went to Infamous before you walked away because you really started to have that, that selective amnesia that you have to have to play uh, paintball at a high level and continue to go you know, point after point after point, even if you're getting shot, to just kind of focus on, forget about that point, focus on the next point. And I really started to see you start to shine. I mean, you'd always, you had always shined, always. Um, you were always a special talent, but that that upper level of mental agility and, and, and mental toughness, I really started to see you develop that, which is why I was really sad, actually, when you, you know, had to, and I totally understand as everybody should, you had to go back and get your shit together. But that's why. I didn't why. really tell anybody about that, too. It was kind of just a, you know, I didn't really announce it at all. I was just like, I'm, you know, I just told Travis, and I think that was it. Yeah, I mean, there, well, yeah. that's the thing. I mean, it, it was, there was, what, magazines were dying at the time. We didn't have a webcast. I mean, that was kind of dark ages a little bit. As far as, uh, you know, yeah, but, uh, but that's why I'm so excited to see your future because this is a huge second act for you. And, you know, you've only been back since the mid part of last season. And, uh, and since that, that mental aspect of it, you're fully well aware of that now. And even though you haven't really been able to get as much practice time as, you know, these guys that are more well-funded and, and whose lives are more devoted around paintball, and you have a job, you have a wife, you have stuff you need to take care of, and that's admirable. Um, but as you continue to work with these shot guys, get more comfortable with them, get more comfortable playing the game at this level and the pace, and, uh, I, I, man, I just I can't wait to see what the future holds for you, man, because you could be, you know, one of the best players in the game with your physical talents, and I don't want you to get but I'm not scared of you getting that Jack in the box head now because of, you know, you're 28 now you're, you know, you're a grown ass man. Um, but, but you are one of the most exciting guys to watch play out there and, uh, and knowing what's, what's possible now that you've, you've already hit this level, um, which was kind of like, we didn't really know. It was like, Oh, Carl's coming back. We know he's going to be blazing fast, of course, but you know, is, is he going to be able to get back right into it? And then sure enough, you got pretty much right back into it. And now, you know, you can just hit that six gear that you have and, uh, it's going to be cool, man. I'm, I mean, what do you think about that? Yeah, I can't wait. I, I, I still haven't even played a full season yet. I'm still, you know, this is, this is going to be my first full season back. And, uh, it's, it's just starting and it's, and it's, you know, it could have gone a little bit better, but I, you know, I, this is what I expect out of this team is, is to play, you know, play, you know, play hard right off the bat and, uh, and play quick and, and hit it where it hurts. And I only see good things coming out of this, uh, out of this team. And I'm, I'm really excited to be playing for them. So wait, just real quick before, I mean, before we sign off, why did, so I can't remember, why did you leave excessive to go to infamous? Was it just a better deal or I can't remember? You know, actually I went from excessive 
to Avalanche. Oh, that's right. I played for Avalanche, who that team was actually really good too. I mean, we, we had a decent team with Danny Chiljack, Brandon Mayo, Roger Hen. Um, but that team was pretty legit. But I, well, everybody was leaving. I think it was end of 06. Everybody was leaving, and uh, like Dave Baines, Glenn, and everybody. And dude, I loved you guys, man. Well, I still do. But, uh, but you guys were like my brothers. And, but then Ed Poorman and Greg Pauly had called me up in the offseason and are like, hey, you know, we want you to play for us for Avalanche next year. And here's a contract. And I was like, holy moly. Kind of never had one of these because I know, I know you guys have kind of dabbed in that a little bit with excessive. Yeah, we got um, burnt. <laughs> yeah, with yeah with energy and everything, um, the energy drink. But you know, I I never really got into that and never really saw the whole getting getting paid to play thing. And uh, and they offered me that whole thing, and it was kind of uh, you know nothing against you guys or anything, but it was just like man, I would love to get paid to play monthly. <laughs> so it was just kind of a sweet deal that that I thought would work, which it did for a little bit there. But, uh, you know, just like anything else, no matter how much it is, if it's, if you're not having fun and everything, you, you got to try something else, which I was having a great time on excessive. But it was more the avalanche side. Yeah. And then you went to infamous and then you mm-hmm. walked away. And then I walked away, which infamous we were, we were up and down, but, um, but yeah, it was just kind of got towards the end. It was just, I needed, I need to figure out my home life. And, and now here I am. Awesome. Man, I can't wait to see the rest of the year. I mean, and then not only that, but we get to see all the behind scenes stuff, like I said before, in the roster. So it's going to be cool, man. Um, you, know, you guys keep doing what you're doing up here, man. This is, you guys are doing a great job with the webcast, a great job with the stats, everything. You know, keep it up. You're the voice that, that we have right now. So keep doing what you guys are doing, you, Todd, and Chris, and everybody. We will try, my friend. Can't, yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's like you said, it's kind of a calling. And uh, I really feel that. You know, this particular thing that we call paintball is so multifaceted and so interesting. So I just, um, you know, but we're, we're only as strong as the collective strength that we're able to gather. So that means everyone out there listening right now. So do what you can, man. Help us spread the paintball gospel. And, uh, you know, thank you for tuning in to this episode of The Real Deal Podcast. Carl, thanks a lot, man. Can't wait to see what happens at the next event, May 2nd through the 4th. So we're coming up. It's about a month away. Yes. And uh, brackets haven't come out yet, but, um, you know, regardless, dude, it's it's the, the PSP Champions Division. It's a straight murderer's row, regardless of where you end up. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. yeah. So uh, let everyone out there in Internet land tell your friends the best in the, in the paintball world are going to be, uh, you know, playing some paintball games and shooting some paintballs at each other yes. come uh, May 2nd through the 4th. Uh, so, Carl, best of luck, man. Love you. And, uh, Thank you. Thank re- you. Really, really glad. I'm not just saying that. I'm really glad that you're back in it. And uh, always a pleasure to watch you play, man. And, uh, and thanks for sitting in with us. Appreciate it, Matty. I enjoyed myself for sure. Awesome, man. All right. Well, thank you guys for tuning in. Again, this podcast was brought to you by Planet Eclipse. Help us help the sport, support our sponsors. And I will Shout see out to Planet. Absolutely. I will see you guys next time.